On today's episode of Gathering the Kings. All of a sudden, I just had this realization that either you can sit here and complain about how someone else is going to do it, or you can try to do it if you think you know the answer. You are listening to Gathering the Kings with Chaz Wolf, featuring fellow seven, eight, and even nine-figure business owners who have real battle scars from business and life, but have prevailed as the king that they are designed to be. We welcome high-performing entrepreneurs to the stage in order to reveal the real of the real on what it takes to build a successful business today. We dissect the good and bad decisions they've made along the way that give a true and accurate picture of the journey of success and how you too can get there. Through this dialogue, you will learn the value of growing your network and surrounding yourself with power players and kings like today's guest. Grab your pen and notebook because we're about to dive in. What's up, everybody? I'm Chaz Wolf, Gathering the Kings podcast. Today, I've got Ryan Rolf here on the King stage. It's like we're brothers from another mother with just <laughs> another name, another letter in the name. My man, how you doing? Doing great. How you doing? Wonderful. We Just like we started, you know, it was a happy Wednesday. And you said, you know what? It is a good day. I was like, yeah, man, it is. <laughs> That's right. We're upright. That's a great, a great day. That's right. That's right. We did talk about how how maybe the last couple of days you you haven't been due to stressing the body out. We talked about being old men now. Yep. 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 But that's all right. At least older that's than our right. mind thinks we are. So that's right. You know, it's funny because I've asked my grandparents, a couple different grandparents. You know, they're in their eighties now, and I'm like, you know, do you like currently at eighty five or seventy nine? Like, do you do you do you feel like in your mind that you're seventy nine, or are you like thirty up here? <laughs> And then like 80 in your body. And they're like, oh, 100%. I'm like 30-ish in my mind. And then quickly I'm reminded that I'm 80 when I try to do anything physical, you know? (laughs) Yes, exactly. So we're already on the trajectory for that. Ryan, tell us what kind of business that you got, brother. So we run a vinyl window and door manufacturing business. Okay, very good. And you you sound like you just said it super confident, but I want to know like, you know, a lot of people maybe not think windows and, and manufacturing is like the super sexy business, but what, 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 like, what's your feeling on the industry and, and like, why are you in it and why does it get you juiced still? Sure. I mean, I would agree. I don't know that it's a super sexy business compared to something <laughs> like maybe automotive or something that's really cool, but that's it's right. a necessary business that's uh, right. for sure. So the industry- Especially during COVID. Yes. I mean, yes, for sure. Windows have been um, backed up for, for three years. <laughs> so we- you know, I just am new to this industry, so I just moved over in 22. Okay, and it's it's been a bit of a learning curve, but but it's a different industry compared to where I used to be, and how we have a dealer network and a distribution network, right. and you're selling to both parties. It's not a one or the other, and so understanding that industry, understanding how the building materials side works, it's it's very different from where I came from on the railroad supply side of things. So wow, okay. Yeah, well, I'm sure we'll get into that history a little bit as well and see if those can tie together, no pun intended, with the railroad comment. <laughs> so my question to you to begin with, it's always the same. I want to know why, but specifically at this level, like you've had success, you know, you could sail away for all intents and purposes, but you don't. You're at it. You're pushing hard. Why? I, I think I would be a little bit lost in some ways in not having a purpose and, and not doing something. So whether that's, yeah. you know, I, I, I believe, okay, well, when it, when I want to step away, I'll be able to spend time with, with family and do other things, but I still, I still have a drive to, to get up and go make something work, modify something to make it better. And 
Uh, that's really kind of what, and whether that's at work, whether that's at home, out on the farm with the family, I'm, I'm the kind of the type A overachiever and want to make everything better than what it was. Yeah. And I think my wife would probably kill me if I didn't have some outlet like work to do that. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I was uh, talking with a good buddy of mine the other day, and he was talking about all these things that we do really lead to fulfillment. And, yep. and that word, like we know that word, but I guess my question to you would be, do you find like there's like this creative or maybe it's with your hands or this problem solving layer to you, like whether it's in the business or on the farm or with the family, that when you're doing that, that's, that's when you feel fulfilled? Absolutely. So a problem solver by nature, which is great for accomplishing tasks, right. usually makes me a terrible listener because I want to fix your problem, not empathize and sympathize with where you're at. Right. Uh, so I have to turn that off or, or ask. I've learned this in my marriage. I ask, am I listening or am I helping? So I, for me, even like sometimes at work, if I'm stuck, we know we've been doing financial review. I want to go do something with my hands just to feel like I accomplished something. Yeah. Um, there's definitely that fulfillment, the the kind of you put in a, a hard day doing something and you can look back and say, ah, at least I got that done today. Sometimes, you know, looking over budgets and where you ended up last year and where you're projecting to go, isn't that fulfilling at the end of the day compared to, to doing some physical labor every now and again? So, yeah. Yeah. And, and maybe for a guy or gal listening, the numbers are what's fulfilling and the, you know, the, the to-do list when they got home, the, the hard labor yep. isn't, you know, so it, it, it doesn't have to be one or the sure. other, what I'm yep. hearing you say, but it's the find it. Yes. That's and the do key. it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Find out what that is. How, how for you though? Like, I mean, obviously there, you know, you kind of put a bunch of us high achievers in a room and we're all going to be fairly similar in, in some of these things that you're talking about, maybe not necessarily physically related, but, but at least in our mindset. And so has this something that has de developed in you over time or did, where you've just become more aware of it? You've developed the muscle, like give us a little bit of history that way. That's yeah. I was not necessarily born as like kind of a, a high achiever that actually came probably a little bit later. Actually, I never even really wanted to be a leader of any sort. Wow. I was always fine, you know, just being in the background. And then I really, I think got to college and at that time I was in a fraternity and at one point everyone's like, you know, yeah, you should run for president. I was like, why? And then something clicked in understanding that either I think I know what to do in this situation and so I can lead it or I can second guess somebody else. And for some reason it was like, well, why don't you just do it? Yeah. If you think you know the answer. And then kind of from that point on, it is, it is growing. And there's been a lot of, you know, a lot of books and podcasts and things along the way. But for me, I, I wasn't that way until all of a sudden it just had this realization that either you can sit here and complain about how someone else is going to do it, or you can try to do it if you think you know the answer. So Yeah, I, I just feel like that's so relatable to any entrepreneur listening, but really anybody listening is that it doesn't have to be in the DNA per se, yeah. right? Um, right. <clears throat> I think that the realization that you had that I'm hearing you say is that rather than complaining or rather than like sure. maybe sitting back and, and thinking that I could do it better, why not just do it? Why not just go ahead and take the action? And ultimately, that's what makes you a leader anyway, is the initial like, I'll just do it. And then what people do is they flock to confidence. They flock to well, he's got a plan. Sure. And then so now you have people behind you, which obviously is the 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 bigger definition of leader is you, <laughs> you got to have people following you. Sure. Um, but people follow confidence. People follow a man with a plan. Like they they feel safe and secure behind that. And so do you feel like that's played into building a business, building your family even? 
Sure. I think the other, like there was two levels of switches for that. So the first one is like the reluctant leader. Okay. And then at some point it was always like, well, no, I can probably do this better than anyone else and I'll do it. I don't always want to. And then at some point, probably as I transitioned, as you would say, more to the the king stage from the, the warrior stage, realizing that there's no need to be to be all, you know, I'll just shucks, I'll just lead here. If this right. is what you want to do, press into it, develop your skills and do it. And, and so that that was kind of like a the, the step two for me of 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 that, if that makes sense. So Oh, I mean you you're you're writing the script over here, brother. I, I want the listener to pay attention to this. So I'm gonna just <clears throat> hang here for just a half second before I move on because what you just said is just so spot on. It is two phases. You're right. You first have to go do, take the action, become the leader. And that's not by look at me, come follow me. It's just by taking action and doing it, maybe even scuffing up the knees a little bit. But what what happens through that is that you build confidence, like we were just talking about. And then the next layer is like, okay, so now I know that I'm good. I know that I can get it done. But phase two is, do I need to be the one to, to do it and get it done? Or can I facilitate an environment where someone else actually can become a leader inside of my leadership? Right. And that's the that, king stage, uh, like you talked about. That's the mindset yep. shift. And it's uh, it was, it's difficult at times, especially oh, yeah. when you're good at something. A hundred percent. And it's easy to get rid of the bad things. Yeah, <laughs> it's like accounting. Sure, we'll get a good team member for accounting. No problem there. Exactly. Um, yeah. Another part that you have, you know, some sort of talent for it. It's some. It's hard to give that up, and, and it takes hard. a lot of faith in your team members to do that and trust. Yeah. And KPI. And, but <laughs> yeah, I was going to say exactly something to hold them accountable to, right? But. What would you say to the guy listening right now or gal again? Um, they know that they need they, they need to press into this. Maybe it's a higher someone. Most most likely, it's more of like a, a key role. That's really what you're talking about is yep. hiring somebody and giving them like actual like, mm, here you go. This is part of the baby. What would you say that they need to do in their mind or even in action? I would say I would treat it like any other investment. So that, that's what it is. It's an investment of your time as the leader. So if it's something that someone could do, I I personally do would write down the task, put a dollar amount on what you think those tasks are worth. And is that worth your time to do that? Or is there someone else that you can set controls and metrics for and say, if you take this and that might be 15, 25, $35 an hour, that leaves me the ability to generate revenue or do something else over here with my time. And treat it like it's no different than any other piece of equipment or any other investment that you would make in something. Yeah, um, so good. How, like, bro, you're just like spitting gold. Like, did you eat a, a gold bar before the <laughs> <laughs> before the show here? But you're right. It's it's an investment, and and when you write it down, like you said, then you realize how much you're actually shortchanging yourself by doing it. It's not that you're too good for it. No, yeah. just, no, no. Like that same hour can be spent over here doing the thing that generates more revenue or builds the bigger team or, or whatever. The disservice to your business. If you spend your time doing a $15 an hour job, when you could be doing something else to generate more revenue. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. Most, do you feel, do you feel like most business owners don't feel like if they had that time that they could go generate the revenue? Like, you know what I mean? Like, hmm. well, I have the time. I might as well just do it. They, they're not thinking, how could I actually take that time and, and do something better with it? That's probably fair. Or in fairness for all of us, there's times that you're winging it because I know I shouldn't be doing this. I know I should be doing else. I don't know what. And so I'm comfortable doing this. So I go back to doing what's so comfortable good. because doing something else is going to take some courage to either ask questions, get in a, a group network, go find someone. Hey, 
what did you do in this step? And it and at the same time, if you're an entrepreneur, you already have that courage because you've done this once, twice, 25 times every day, whatever it is, I mean, in your business. Right. But yeah, it takes. I know you just made a recent switch into this industry, but give us a little bit before that even. Like, how did you get into business? Sure. I, I ended up, it started out as wanting to be a, a physical therapist in, in college, and I'm not very patient. So you, I didn't make the first cut or whatever. It's like, forget this, I'll do business. And and part of that's, you know, my dad's ran this business and has, you know, absolutely. At the time, it was just torture. I mean, hitting me up with lean manufacturing. I remember we were on vacation in Hawaii, and he's wanting to talk about emails while I'm like, I'm yeah. 20 some years old. I'm like, really, Dad? I'm on vacation. I don't want to talk about how McDonald's franchised everything. Like, do, can we do, do something? Do you else? find yourself being like him now, though? Oh, it's it's so disgusting. Yes, <laughs> it is. I mean, and it, and he loves to, you know, he loved to teach, bring people kind of under his wing and help them out. And it yes. was always like, when it's your dad, of course, it's just like, oh, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do anything like what you're doing, yeah. Ooh, which is part of the decisions that we made. So after college, I ended up getting into the rail industry, did not want to be in this business. He had the business right now with two co-founders and they brought him in slightly after they started to, to really ramp up production. So didn't want any part of that, wanted to make my own way and kind of make my own bones. I you know, different family businesses around sometimes. And I'd worked for a business where uh, second generation came in and it, it didn't go so well. Yeah, and then yeah. you have that, well, they got this job because of their dad. And I do not like that sentiment at all. And so totally. I was going to come. It was going to be because I I made my bones somewhere else and it was going to be obvious to everybody. Yeah, uh, and so for 15 years, worked my way up through a, a concrete railroad tie supplier wow. uh, for, for the railroad and it had got bought a couple of times, eventually bought by a really large overseas corporation, like 1.2 billion. So kind of two things happened as I was moving up, an executive in the company realized I am not a fan of working in a corporate office or kind of working for folks that don't have firsthand knowledge where you're at and yeah, uh, and doing what I don't believe in. I'm not very good at that. I'm, I'm a man of conviction. And if I believe it, I'll go yeah. to the map. But if I don't, I can't, I can't, can't sell it. that dream. And in an opportunity came up, one of the founders were looking to retire here. So there was a, a buying group that got together and I got to be a part of that. And thought it'd be cool if I could come try to help take this business to the next level and, and see my dad off until the sunset, you know, give him a couple more years of, playing golf and pretending he's in sales or something like that and, <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know and really move us forward so and, and yeah. in fairness he brought the business from in the beginning they were single digit employees into now a, a whole new building with i think our high water mark this year is 189 employees so he's really grown the business over 30 years so you know it's, it's kind of neat neat to take that over so yeah something it sounds like every yeah 100 percent. well you've got all sorts of unique opportunities but for one, it sounds like you, me, and your dad need to go to Hawaii and talk emyth. You know? <laughs> or we could get we could throw in the revisited now since uh, there you, you know. go. <laughs> there you go. I I uh, it's funny. As soon as you said that, it was like, oh man, that sounds like a great party, you know. And I <laughs> <laughs> at twenty, not so much. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, you know, I don't know. I, I, maybe not twenty, but 
like I bought my first business at 24. So I was, I was in that mm-hmm. lane sales before that. So I, I appreciate that story, man, because you're right. I think there's a lot of second or even third generation businesses out there. The actual person themselves like you feels like, man, I don't want it just given to me. I want to earn it. And then there's a lot of first generation business owners like myself who, you know, we've got the battle scars, if you will. Right. Yeah. And so naturally I, I don't, any longer, or maybe I, I don't even know if I did at some point, but there's a lot of people like me, first generation that look down on the second or third as if like, maybe you didn't have to go through it. But I, I just have this generational perspective on business, which maybe you, you can speak to here in a second is that like, I don't, I don't necessarily need my son or my daughters to figure out every problem that I already figured out. Like, I don't want to just give it to them. But at the same time, like, isn't that my role is to kind of like pave the way a certain distance. And then they get to start where I left off and, and then they got to figure out the next wave of problems. You know, it's not like they're going to have an easy route. I just need, I wanted them to stand on my shoulders. How, what would you say to that? Well, first of all, I think that's exactly right. And second, I would say there are different types of people. I, as an entrepreneur, I'm not a creator. If I create something that takes all the energy I have to create, what I found out for me is I'm a much better modifier. So you can bring me what you have and I can modify that plan, that idea, that product, Yep. And that's how we, you know, can scale it quickly. If I create it, everything I have is going to be in the inception and creation of this. And I can only take it so far. Yeah. And so I think from our perspective, that's exactly the plan. That's that's who I am as a person. And so that's why it made sense to me to come in and say, I mean, when I say I'm a modifier, it's like everything. It's just not, that's just, I mean, if it's like, hey. Let's disrupt you know, everything. <laughs> oh, yeah. In, in personal life or whatever. I mean, it's, that's yes. Awesome. If, you know, I was the dude that would have a car and if it, all of them had silver rims and I want a black, I mean, just, I got to do something to make it different. Yeah. Yeah. I just, it, it's annoying actually that, but it, like I said, for, for the, for the generational part and being multi-generational, I think that's the key is, is understanding that the role is different and it's not a creation. It's a modification, which for certain people, I think it's definitely easier, yeah. but easier to put that same amount of effort and get exponentially the amount of growth out of it. Totally. Yeah, it's the owning of who you are. Yeah. What's already been done. I think that there's ego wrapped up in like that I gotta like figure it out on my own. And so I think that there's a lot of first generation business owners or wealth creators that kind of wear that badge, almost that ego of like, you know, nobody taught me. I figured it out on my own, yeah. which school I can hard relate knocks, to. Yeah, yeah school yeah. of hard knocks. Like I, I can relate to that, you know. But <clears throat> I don't necessarily need my children to go through that. Now I'm a, I'm I'm of the fan of you know, they're not going to get anything easy. They're not going to get it given to them. That's for sure. But I'm going to curate an environment where I'm pouring everything good, bad, and different, all the stuff that we're going to talk about your good and bad decisions today, all that stuff's going into your children. And then, and then they should be that much more prepared and ready. That's just, that's just the progression of, of humans, I think. Right. Yep. Yep. I, I, I totally agree. So, I mean, the head start and especially having some other opportunities before coming here, uh, right. The head start that I have from my year one compared to what my father had at 27 with whatever 10 date people right. are not remotely the same as yeah. far as what my knowledge is of not starting the business and then where the business is at. So, uh, again, I, I was very anti doing this, but doing it the way we've done it, I feel like the effort can be exponential compared to the effort to create it. So, yeah, well, let's get into some of those uh, good and bad decisions. I want to know, you know, something you know, since you're, you're a year into this business and it's at a different level, it's not brand new, like you said, but I still want to know in the last year, what was a good decision that you made that just 
has changed the trajectory of the business? I previously had an excellent team where I'd worked before. Okay. And one of the things I noticed here is everything was very kind of central around one or two people. Yeah. And so we started to develop a team. So we probably went out and, and paid for some talent more than what they normally would. But as an investment, it's been it's been insane how that's paid off. In three months, it's paid off and it paid for itself. So and so really understanding what it takes and and who you are, the bandwidth that I have and what I can and can't fix and where I need spots and team members to be, that was yeah. probably the best decision I made for sure. Yeah. No doubt. Yeah, I love that. What what about for the you know business owner listening right now where maybe they don't they don't have a team or maybe they only have a couple right and it's just a different different perspective maybe they don't have that capital to invest as you've said how how do they go about building a team because it's still the same answer they still need to build a team they still have to figure it out they still have to give some of those hats away what does that look like for them do you think well I think it. And I've even considered some of it here, the way we can outsource today that was not available years ago. So, you know, I would consider outsourcing payroll or if you're doing some marketing, outsourcing marketing. I think at times it seems expensive, but when right. you compare to hiring that person as a whole, I think it's, it's a pretty good value. Yeah. Uh, so I would say identify the areas you want team members. That doesn't have to be a member. It could be a service. And don't don't let because you can't hire a person distract you from saying, no, I still need someone to do marketing. That's not my strong suit. So maybe I, I hire a service to do that at, at some rate. So right. Yeah. That makes that makes sense. That's what I would oh, yeah. do anyway. Yeah. No, it's super applicable and practical. So if you're listening right now and you're especially if you're not even at a million yet, but even still even one to ten million, these are these are drop in a bucket. You should be absolutely doing these things for sure. <clears throat> what about a bad decision? What'd you do this last year? A just lot like, of them, man. The worst one, it, it was early yes, Earlier on during COVID, we had, you know, we were pretty much past that. We had some supply issues. And so in this industry, completing an order for like a window job that would be for houses is yeah. number one. It's got to be complete. You had some issues with suppliers, blah, blah, blah. At some point, we had some some of our customers asking, just, you know, ship me what you have. I know you're waiting on this piece and I'll get it later. Well, I had one or two of our 200 some customers ask me that. I thought it'd be a great idea to do that for everybody. Yeah. That completely backfired. That really was not a good idea. Um, and, and not, yeah, not getting with it. So that ended up making a mess. And in thinking I was doing something, just ignorance of, of the industry, think I'm doing something to help the rest of my customers absolutely did not. And so that was a, that was the decision that I had to call many a customer and say, Hey, sorry, rookie mistake. I, I, I should have called you first before we did this. So that was a definitely a mistake that's not going to happen again. I can tell you that. So. For sure. Inside of that, what's the lesson? Was it just like an overpromise, not enough, like it fractionalized the process and it made it confusing or? I did. Yeah. I think for me is, is understanding who your customers are, that you may yeah. have some dealer customers, some, this segment of customers that this works for this segment of customers. It does not work for your Got business it. is not the same. My interface with our customers are not the same for every customer. Yeah, um, yeah, because of the end use. So that was probably the biggest takeaway. And, and, and in general, I would say for folks to understand yeah. the customer base and their needs. Yeah. And then be able to, I guess, curate that solution based on sure. that, which, which like, obviously, right. Like we, yes. we would think we yeah. know this, but a great reminder, as you said, a rookie mistake. And, and I think that the, probably the encouraging thing that I want the listener to pay attention to as well is that even though you've got this, you know, 15 year experience before even coming into this business in a, in a, 
you know, similar vein or, or a successful track. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like you've led people, you've made these types of decisions before and here you are. And it just, it just, it just wasn't the right move. And so sure. I think there's encouragement yep. there that you, you were able to, you know, change it around. You probably had to make some tough phone calls. Be my guess. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. Whatever, you know, introduce some myself to, to these customers and then possibly the second or third interaction is, Hey, I, I kind of completely screwed you over by sending you partial orders. I apologize. Didn't know, you know, what that was going to be. And that was, uh, wasn't pleasant on every call. I mean, some, some folks are fairly gracious, some not so, and and they were right. They deserved a call if we were going to change our shipping practices. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. I just really appreciate your vulnerability there. I think that it's an, it's an encouragement more than anything because, because here you are and you're still working it and you're growing sure. it and you got all this I'm sure probably a lot of those people believe in you more now than than ever before just because of all the additional promises and then kept promises that sure. you've given to them since then you know the journey doesn't have to stop with that right correct what what about a habit i want to know about you personally i'm going to kind of put this on its head a little bit I want to know about a habit or maybe a personality characteristic trait that you have that's unexpectedly kept you from success hmm I would say fear of probably fear of failure in, in some way. So that sometimes I usually don't have no issue making a decision when it's a slam dunk. I mean, to me, I have like the double check. So I'll do the, the paperwork, like run the numbers. It makes sense. And then it always has to like, I have to analyze it and almost like an instinct or gut check. Like this has to feel like this is the right decision. Right. Uh, I don't know how to explain that. And I don't, that, that the numbers are what they are, but sometimes you run those numbers like, yeah, but I don't know if that's going to be that way forever. And there's this hesitation. And there's been a few times where there's been an opportunity that I drug my feet on or uh, numbers made sense, but I don't know. That's going to push me a little bit out of my comfort zone. And, yeah. and then I don't make that decision. And then you look back and like, well, that was, you know, now we're late to the party because I decided we didn't want to do this, that or the other. And that's something I notice and I try to get get better at because it's not like I don't fail. I, I fail all the time. I mean, there's things that we, yeah. we let drop the ball on all the time, but it's, I feel like there's some difference if, if I contemplate and I think about it and I fail for some reason, that seems like that's a lot more drastic than just making the decision. And ah, that's the wrong decision and moving on, but yeah. that's probably what, what holds me back the most. Yeah. I love the honesty there. Cause you're right. A lot of business owners, we find ourselves in this, like, I can do it better than anybody. We talked about this. I'm a perfectionist. I, I, mm-hmm. I see order and I can get things done. And with that, with the negative flip side of that in any personality survey is going to be well, if you're going to make it perfect, you're probably not moving very fast and you're probably yeah. hesitating a bunch. So I appreciate that. What what have you done practically in decisions that you're making now to kind of like, you know, bump yourself past that hesitation in those situations now? Bounce it off somebody else. There you go. So whether that's, we, I have a mastermind group that has an eclectic group of people that not one of the other folks are manufacturing, but, but giving someone else there. Of course, I have my dad here as well, but you can say, hey, it looks like we should be doing this. Numbers say we should do this. I'm unsure about the the market. Is we're going to take a dip? Do we want to go spend the money on this equipment thinking that we might have a dip in coming? How, do, how does our industry fare when that happens and those type of decisions? So yeah. I say that ultimately is it's more information. It's more knowledge. Bouncing it off someone else to, to maybe complete a perspective that you didn't have on it or something like that. So. Yeah. 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 You're hundred percent right. Cause that same, that same personality trait desires knowledge, desires information. And if we don't have it, that's when we feel like, I don't, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. 
That's awesome. Great information. I'm going to switch over to our speed round here. I want to come at you from a numbers perspective. I'm sure you'll like this question, but I want to know your most important KPI or the way I like to say it is if you could only pick one. Sure. I, man, I've thought about this and there are some manufacturing wise that we use, but sure. at a high level, it's so vanilla and basic, but it's got to be cash flow, net cash, because that's the lifeblood of the business. So you can tell how efficient you manufacture by net cash flow. You can tell how well you're turning inventory, what you're, I mean, it just, every everything you do touches cash and it's not a very sexy answer, but that if I, that's the one thing that I have to look at, that's what I need to know is how we're flowing cash. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It doesn't take long with no cash flow for nobody to have a job. Oh, (laughs) yeah, yeah. Those KPIs don't matter so much. So, exactly. Love that. What book would you recommend, Ryan, for a business owner in 23 trying to grow their business? All right. I'm going to go super pragmatic here. Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. More from the perspective of, I think, coming to a downturn. I personally am trying to figure out what has been market price from my suppliers and what is cost plus and trying to get back to cost plus versus market price. So just finished that book up about a month ago and trying to implement some of those strategies to to get on the bottom line quickly this year. So yeah, love that. Love that book. I negotiated an apartment complex with the principles from that book. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're legit. Yeah. Yeah. It's good stuff. What would you say about intentionally networking or masterminding? You've already said you've already a part of an eclectic group. Is there a difference? Do you recommend entrepreneurs do both one or the other? What do you say? Depends. So for me, I, I find like knowledge is what comforts me. That's what helps me go to sleep at night. I know for some people like network does having this network is, is their, you know, their blanket that they curl up in and that's what makes them feel decent. And so the masterminding part forces me to have to network with folks because I would just dig into a book or go read something and figure it out for myself and have one perspective versus, you know, nine or whatever. And so I think that's really important. It also makes you pretty vulnerable to talk to other business owners and realize, hey, if you're you're open and honest, everyone has issues in their business. Everyone has yeah. something that they're working on. There's always something next that needs fixed or is not where you want it to be. And it's encouraging in some ways that, you, you know, there's days that you just feel like, yeah. Uh, you know, the business one I lost today. And right. so that that's encouraging. We have those, those groups of people. So networking, I could definitely be better at the, the mastermind is great because it forces me to do that. So. Yeah. Love that perspective. I've got a question for you about family kind of mm-hmm. prompted you a little bit. I'm um, just because of your family dynamic uh, upwards in the business, but <clears throat> from you down, obviously all entrepreneurs are, are focused on the business and we're growing and we're obsessed. And, you know, here we are talking about all these things, but in the background is your wife and your kids and, and your desire for them is equally, or if not more than the business, but oftentimes as entrepreneurs, we find ourselves upside down in that. And so what, what have you done over the years to, to, I don't, again, I don't like the word balance, but to maybe go after your family, your marriage, your children as hard as you have for the business? Man, great question. Probably I would say that's not something that I've been great at the the job I left. One of the reasons for that was it was a, a pretty heavy travel schedule, which made it tough. And, you know, as a dad, you're taking crazy flights to get home to see a ball game or whatever else. And so this change has helped in that regard where I'm pretty much around the you know majority of the time. The other part, I think, is trying to find that when you're competitive and you like to win, it's a little bit maybe addictive to find a way to win. Find, and so you finding a way, what is a win for you with your family? Yeah. Because if you don't find how there's a win there, you'll get 
the the lure of competing over here in your business and, and meeting metrics and goals and that satisfaction for me personally, anyway, is always going to outweigh if I don't find a way to say, I need to spend time here. I need to do this. We need to go on this vacation and, and get away from it all and, and unplug. You got to find some way to to put some level between you and your wife and, and your kids. What is winning for us at home? So yeah, that's so good. I want the listener to like soak that in a couple of years ago. I started saying, I get this dopamine hit from building a business. Yes. Like, I get a, I get jazzed. Like it is a different feeling building a business than playing Uno with my four-year-old, right? Yeah. However, just like you just said, the language I started using is oh, now I'm, bu- I'm building a business or I'm building my four-year-old. Yes, yeah. we get to play Uno, but like what am I doing inside of the Uno game to build my, my daughter or my son? And you're right. What does winning look like? Because man, when you, when you put in that perspective, it's winning. It's like, okay, up. I want another, let's score again, baby. Let's go. Yep. 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 That's, that's the way I'm wired. That, that's what's, that's the path I'm trying to, to defining that now. I mean, cause it changes when your kids are young. It's one thing when you have teenagers, it's something else. And yeah. you know, they, you might only get two or three hours a week because of schedules and whatever else So you have to adapt as you go. So, yeah, I've got close friend now, but he started as a mastermind member in gathering the Kings. And we were just texting last night, even and he, he's got, I don't know, maybe a 10 and a, and a eight year old or a 10 and a nine year old, something like that. Just a few years older than mine. And I was feeding my seven month old at, you know, a bottle at 11 o'clock last night. And we were texting back and forth. And I shot him a picture and you know, I'm in the dark and, you know, feeding the baby. And, <laughs> and he's like, man, I remember those moments. Like soon enough, they won't even want you to read a book. So like, just, just be there, you know? Yep. yep. So it was a good exactly. encouragement. One last question here for you, Ryan. If you could whisper in the younger Ryan's ear, what would you say? Take chances. I mean, you know, there were certain times to do certain things, and I would definitely say, you know, if it's on paper and it, it requires a bit of courage, take chances. I mean, the 15 years of experience help, but there's also the what if this was, you know, five years ago, where would the business be with having a, a fresh set of eyes on it? So, so I would, yeah, that would definitely be what I would tell myself. Take more chances. Jump go. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Everything's going to be okay. The parachute will deploy. <laughs> and if you, I mean, what happens if you fail, you start over. It is what it is. So yeah. You, I you just love something. that. There's an Uber confidence when you, when you can resonate with that, like deeply in your soul of like, if the worst thing is that I just start all over. So what then man, there's, it's almost like you become fearless, right? Yeah. I think in, in the moment you have setbacks, at least for me, like that just creates more drive. I mean, I learned something from this, and so now I'm I'm better for it. And and let's go, let's go at it again and see what we can do. So, that, yeah. I always wonder how people did that. Like people that would lose you, you know, lose a business, and then you get back up and start again. But the yeah. what you're learning in that process makes it easier to turn around and, and and get there. So, yeah. Well, you said you're a knowledge guy, and so I think that at least for me, the realization of I know how to do this, even though maybe it, this one failed or it didn't work out or the situation destroyed, whatever you, the confidence actually is in, and then you, your ability, your knowledge, you know, your history. And so if I did it once, I can do it again. And the failure doesn't sting maybe as much because it's not necessarily attached to who you are. Although that's difficult to not allow that to attach itself to you. (laughs) Yeah. 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 There may be a week or two of some self-pity. So yeah. 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 But 
it is what it is. Ryan, how can the listener find you, man? If they want to just pick your brain as a business owner, they want sure. to reach out because they need windows. I don't know. What, yeah, you so you? we have our website, vinylcraftwithak.com. Nice. You can get to our website. We sell through a network of, of dealers and distributors, so you can find us there. The easiest way to, to get with me would be via LinkedIn. Just search, search Ryan Rolf there, and yeah, we could get hooked up. Or if yes, someone needs some windows or different things, that would, wouldn't hurt my feelings. So, <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Well, you've been just an incredible value here today. You've given you know, the perspective of a second-generation business owner, a hustler, a dad, you know, all these different nuggets that you dropped on us today, super valuable. And so I appreciate your time. Selfishly, I'm excited to continue to get to know you. And so again, thank you for being here. Blessings on your family, blessings on your business, even as you help your dad sail away into the sunset. Yeah. Thank you for being here. We appreciate it. I appreciate it. Thanks. I had, a, had a great time. Thank you for listening to Gathering the Kings today. I hope that you were able to pull out a few nuggets to go apply into your business right away. More importantly, though, I hope that you're realizing that it takes more to be successful than just being by yourself, doing it all on your own, carrying the weight all by yourself. What I have realized, not only in my own journey from multiple businesses and multiple different industries, and now interviewing literally over two or 300 other very successful seven, eight and nine figure business owners is that it's tough to do it alone. And so Gathering the Kings literally exists to bring together successful entrepreneurs. In fact, we are putting together 1,000 kings, specifically who are grateful but not done. We're intentionally assembling kings who fight tooth and nail for their business, family, and communities. And here's what we believe, that in the pursuit of excellence in those areas, that it ignites within us the responsibility to govern power and forge a lasting legacy. So if that relates and, and resonates with you, and you know that you need people around you, sharp, qualified, other very successful business owners, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com. I want you to take a look at what we're doing and see if it makes sense for you to be part of our pursuit to 1,000 Kings. Talk soon.